0: Good morning, and welcome to a family uh, worship Sunday. We're so glad that you all are here. Uh, hey, in your in your bulletins, there's a sermon page that has some places for some notes and things. And uh, if that might help uh, the kids here with you, kind of fill in the blanks as we go and stay connected, that'll be great. And kids, you can kind of help your parents stay connected that way. Um, we'll rely on you for that. So when we when we preach through the Bible, when we think about the Bible characters. We think about all of these characters with bravery and humility and courage and selflessness. But we're not going to talk about those for the next four weeks. You know why? Because we're studying about Jonah, and Jonah was a jerk. I I really thought about titling this entire series, The Jerk. But all I could think about was the old Steve Martin movie, and I don't want you thinking about that the whole time. But Jonah really does. We learn about the bad stuff that he does. And it's way more than just a story about a guy and a fish. I mean, the lessons that we learn in the book of Jonah kind of span all of Scripture. It's a a fierce warning against unforgiveness and prejudice and hatred and uh, laziness. It's a fierce warning against those things. But it's also... The true hero of the book of Jonah is God. And we learn these great lessons of God's grace and love and patience. And it's really just amazing. And the the very last verse in the book of Jonah, there's only four chapters. And the very last verse is a pretty good summary uh, question to kind of cover the whole book. Because God asked Jonah, should I not care about this great city of Nineveh? Should I have no compassion for them? And basically, Jonah's reply is, no, I don't care about Nineveh, and I wish you did not care about Nineveh. I have zero compassion for them. But God, as we read through this book, says, I have great compassion for this great city of Nineveh. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn... Uh, to the book of Jonah. Going to kind of look through the Old Testament there right after the book of Obadiah. And as you're doing that, um, I have uh, three people who are going to help me kind of demonstrate something that we've been learning. So you guys can come on up um, and we're going to get you situated here. Don't worry, there's going to be no hula hooping. Um, So Casey, if you can stand right over there and... Tyler is going to just sit right here on that stool, and brie 's going to stand up here, and she told me she had good balance, so good job, okay, so these are you can kind of hold this just a little higher, and Bree, can you hold yours just a little bit higher? There you go so um, we we teach kind of a way that you can just share the gospel with others we 've taught this up here, and some of you have, have been in classes where this has been taught as well, and maybe you have it but you 'll kind of get it real quick that a simple way to share the gospel is to draw a circle, and by the way, if you want to do this on your sermon page, you'll have a great little easy way to share the gospel with other people, but uh, you can draw a circle, and you draw a heart in it, and say, God created the world, is his perfect design, this beautiful creation, and it was wonderful, however, we sinned. Adam and Eve sinned, and if Adam and Eve wouldn't have sinned, I would have sinned, or you would have sinned, and that led to, not lightning, brokenness, okay? Just making sure you know. This is like the jagged brokenness, like when a plate gets dropped and there's this crack that goes through it, or a windshield. And brokenness in life is sadness, and pain, and hate, and separation, and we all feel that in this world. And sometimes we try to get away from this brokenness by chasing money or a career, and we'll try to get away from it But chasing those things is like a bungee cord. It snaps us right back into the brokenness. Sometimes people try alcohol or drugs to get away from their brokenness. But that too, like a bungee cord attached to them, snaps them right back to brokenness. Some people just try to be good people. And they think, if I just do good things and live a good life, then I can get away from my brokenness. And that too doesn't get away from our brokenness. It snaps us right back. We're still broken. And God did not want us to stay broken, so he made a way for us. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth to die for our sins and to show us this new way. But he did not stay dead. He rose from the tomb on the third day so that he could show us that not only can he forgive our sins, but he has power over the brokenness, over death, over all the bad stuff in our life. And if we follow Jesus, then we are restored to God. And and God doesn't want us just to stay here then. He actually sends us back to the broken so that we can help the broken come to know Jesus. Did you follow that? If you want to draw that on your paper, you can just do a little arrow because we go from God's perfect design to brokenness. That's what sin does. And then a little arrow from brokenness to Jesus. And then Jesus restores us to God. And then maybe a little dashed line over here to say, God sends us right back to the broken to help them know that through Jesus, they don't have to be broken anymore. So that's a really simple way to kind of share the gospel. So now that we know that, I want to read the first three verses of the book of Jonah. And we're going to see how this kind of plays out right here, okay? The word of the Lord came to Jonah... Son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Okay, so here's what Jonah did. God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. I mean, it's really clear. It's not like a puzzle or anything. Just go to Nineveh and tell them they better turn their lives around because they are wicked. And Jonah goes the absolute opposite direction. He actually goes and get, gets on a boat that's headed the opposite direction. Completely disobeys uh, what God had called him to do. Now, it, we talked about this a little bit last week. There's a word in the Bible when Jesus said, go into all of the world and make disciples. The word for Word uh, world is ethnos, like go into all the ethnic groups, go everywhere to all of the people and Jonah was told, go to the broken Ninevites, to those people, and Jonah says no, and that makes Jonah this is a big word, an ethnocentrist (laughs) ethnocentric because Jonah is only worried about his people maybe he's only even worried about his family Maybe he's only worried about himself. He doesn't care about anybody else, any of the outsiders. Where do you think Jonah would be on, this, on these circles? We know he's not, at, to start with, at God's perfect design, because Jonah would have sinned like all of us, right? So he would have been broken. But Jonah actually says later in the book that salvation comes from the Lord. So Jonah knows that in the Old Testament, it was the law by which people were saved, and Jesus fulfilled that. So Jonah would have been here, and he would have been restored to God. But when God said, go back to the broken, that's where Jonah quit, right? And we could maybe even argue when Jonah refused to go and to honor God, was he still here or did he kind of revert back to the broken we could probably have that conversation and I'm not I'm not quite sure but Jonah refused so Let's talk about the broken people of Nineveh for a second. This is the city we're talking about. Why did Jonah refuse to go to Nineveh? Well, if you know your history a little bit, Nineveh was the capital of a big empire called Assyria. Assyria rule was a, you know, was a world power for several hundred years. And Jonah's time there would have been about 750 BC or so. So about 750 years before Jesus would have been born. There's 120,000 at least people. In this city, So it's a very big city for the ancient world, and there's another uh, book in the Bible called Nahum that talks about Nineveh, and you know what Nahum says about Nineveh? It says the people in Nineveh are like lions who go out and kill stuff and drag it back into their den and pile it up. It's a pretty bad picture of the people. But historians will tell you that's pretty close to the truth. The people of Nineveh, people of Assyria, would go out and they would capture people and take over lands, and they would bring them back. And I read some of the history about what they would do to the people they captured. And because there's a young audience in here, and because some of you get sick to your stomach quickly, I just can't tell you. It's too gross. But they they made up ways to torment people, and to torture people, and to to hurt people, and then to kill people. They were a terrible people. One time, Jesus was telling a story and teaching, and he needed an illustration. He, he needed to come up with, uh, to say, here's a group of people that are the most wicked ever. Do you know who he named? The Ninevites. Because he was thinking, I know that you all have heard the story of how bad the people in Nineveh were. And so everybody agreed the people in Nineveh were rotten and they were broken. But guess what? We should expect them to be broken, right? Because broken people do broken things. And, and they do bad things. So let me ask you this. Are you surprised that God sent Jonah, his guy, to a broken place as broken as Nineveh? Are you surprised? You could answer out loud. No. None of us should be surprised, right? Because who else is he going to send, right? Is he going to just send bad people there or people who don't know Jesus there? No, he, he's going to send somebody who knows about the Lord right there. And so we should not be surprised. that all. And what happened with Jonah keeps happening in the Bible. This is not just an isolated incident of one, one Jewish person saying, I don't want to go tell anybody who's not a Jew. It happens over and over. When we get to Jesus' day, you got the Jews and you have the Samaritans, and they hated each other. The Samaritans were the outsiders. And Jesus comes, and when he begins uh, showing love and kindness to the Samaritans, what do the Jewish people think about it? The Jewish leaders hated him for it, and they were angry about it. When we get to the, to the book of Acts and the first church, Uh, Over and over again, the disciples in the early church would be preaching, and they could be preaching about whatever they wanted, and people would kind of sit back and listen. But the moment they said, God came for the outsiders too. God came for the Gentiles too. The moment they said that, they were getting beaten and thrown in prison and stoned, and it happens throughout the entire book of Acts. Paul, who's one of the central figures in the book of Acts, I mean, it's what ends up leading to him being arrested and he'd never be free again. And so the, the, the Jewish nation, God first said, I want you to be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the outsiders, a light to everybody, and yet they were just caught up on, it's only about me, and don't make me invite the outsider in. In other words, I like it that God saved me from my brokenness so I could be restored to God, but now it's just me, and I'm never going to go to the broken again. And that's the attitude of Jonah. Okay, would you give these guys a hand? You guys can sit down. Thank you so much. Do you mind just sitting those down in that front row? Thank you. Today I want to just teach you two really basic truths uh, that we learn from the book of Jonah chapter 1. The first is this. Running away from the outsiders is the same as running away from the Lord. Running away from the person who needs to hear about Jesus is the same as running away from Jesus. Twice in the first three verses of Jonah, we, we read the story, and the text says that, does it say Jonah ran away from the Ninevites? It doesn't say that. Twice it says, Jonah ran away from The Lord. So he wasn't just running away from people. He was running away from God. And every time God prompts in your heart, go speak to this person. Be kind to this person. Pray for this person. Help this person. And every time we say no, we're not just running away from that person. We're running away from God. That's one of the big truths from this book that we need to hear. So I was thinking about a guy named Ananias. In the book of Acts, there's a good Ananias and a bad Ananias. I want to talk about the good Ananias. Ananias was a Christian, a believer, and the church was young. And he knew about this guy named Saul, we would later call Paul. And he knew that Saul was going around killing Christians. He was part of Stephen's murder. Uh, He was part of, uh, of getting people arrested. And so the Christians would have been avoiding Saul, right? But... God comes to Saul, and uh, God needs someone to come and tell Saul uh, how he can follow Jesus. And so God chooses Ananias, and he says, Hey, Ananias, I want you to go find Saul. He's in the city, and I want you to tell him about me. And what do you think Ananias does? He says, um, uh, Sir, I, just one question. Do you have the right guy? Are you really thinking about, do you know, maybe you, maybe, I know you're a busy God. Maybe you missed it. But Saul's been killing people like me and anybody who follows you through Jesus. So maybe uh, you got the name wrong. Maybe it was somebody else. And God says, no, I, I know what I'm talking about. That Saul. I want you to go to him. Here's where you can find him. And you know what Ananias does then? He says, yes, sir. And he goes to Saul, and his first word of introduction to Saul is brother. He calls him brother. And then he teaches Saul, and he baptizes Saul right then, and Saul becomes Paul and becomes the greatest missionary the earth has ever seen. And so Ananias is kind of the opposite of Jonah, And so I kind of just began kind of writing this out, and I did a little diagram, and it's in your sermon page, and we got it up here too. I was just thinking about how the two of them were different. You got Jonah, and you you got Ananias. And initially, it's the same because God says, hey, Jonah, go to the people of Nineveh. They're broken, and they're wicked, and they're bad. And God says uh, to Ananias, hey, go to Saul. I know he's wicked, and he's bad, and you think he's going to kill you. And so Ananias, his first response is, um, Jonah's first response is no, and he runs. God comes back to both of them and says again, go. And at that point, we'll read more about this in Jonah later, Jonah goes, but he pouts about it the whole way. Don't you, doesn't it frustrate you when somebody is asked to do something and they'll be like, fine, fine. And they go and they're like doing whatever they got to do, but they're like throwing stuff around and making noise and really angry. If they're supposed to do dishes, they're banging the dishes together and knocking stuff over. And that's how Jonah finally responds to God. That's the best we see in Jonah is Jonah pouting with some sort of obedience. But Ananias, when he walked into that house to find Saul, he had to be thinking, this might be my last couple breaths. Like, Saul might kill me right here. And, and I trust God, though, so I'm going to do this anyway. I, I've, I've heard it said that um, that fear, you don't overcome fear just with courage. You overcome fear with selflessness. Because I bet you Ananias was still afraid when he walked in the door. But because he honored God above his own fear, he went. See, we need to learn to replace our comfort obsession with a compassion obsession. We'd be obsessed about God's compassion for people and how much God cares for people. So Jonah initially says, no, I'm not going to go to the people of Nineveh, God. And he goes and he gets on a boat with these guys who don't know the Lord, and they probably have a job to do, and it's to take this cargo across the sea and he just gets on the boat with them and hitches a ride and they start going and as soon as they start going out there the text says a terrible storm just came kind of came out of nowhere and the boat is going up and down and the waves are hitting it and the guys are getting seasick and they think man we're gonna all die this boat is gonna crumble under this storm and we're gonna sink and we're all dead so they throw the cargo off i mean they're desperate they think maybe we can lighten the load some and the text says they all pray to their own god So they don't know who the true God is, but they're just praying to anybody who will listen to anything they've ever heard about. And guess what Jonah's doing? He's sleeping. Do you remember somebody else who slept during a storm? Somebody else had the power to come out and say, peace be still. Jonah doesn't have that power. They go down, they find him sleeping, and they say, Jonah, we're going to die. Did you do something to bring this upon us? And Jonah says, yeah. And they say, well, who, who are you? And he says, well, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the one true God. He tells them this almost in a smug way, like, I know who God is. I am important. Doesn't bother to tell them about the one true God. Doesn't say anything to them. Just says, well, this is who I am. And they said, well, did you do something? And he said, yeah, I did do something. I'm running from God, and this is probably all my fault. Just take me and throw me overboard. And they're like, we're not going to throw you overboard. So they try to row back, and they can't row back to the to the shore. And finally, they're like, God, please forgive us for this, but we're going to listen to what he said. And they take Jonah, and they throw him into the sea. And he hits the water, and the waves die down. And they're like, whoa, what just happened? And they're thinking Jonah's dead. And the text says that they feared the Lord and made sacrifices to the Lord. See, even in the midst of this, like these guys on the boat, they're just kind of like the side story. And yet God has compassion for them too. God cares about the outsiders too. And God cares for them and they get a glimpse of who God is, even though Jonah kind of reluctantly even tells them. And next week, Matt Crosser is gonna tell us what happened after Jonah hit the water because you know his story is not quite over yet. But we see that Running away from the outsiders is the same thing as running away from the Lord. It's what Jonah did. And there's a second truth I want to teach you. Jesus invites the outsiders into his love. Jesus invites the outsiders into his love. Sean Palmer writes, It is possible to know who God is and what God is doing, but exclude yourself from joining it. It is the definition of antichrist. Jonah is angry at God because God doesn't treat his enemies like he wants God to. And as Anne Lamott says, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out God hates all the same people you do. First Corinthians says, we're not supposed to judge those who are outsiders, but we're to confront those inside the church. So almost think about the hula hoop around me again, and I can't hula hoop at all, so It's good I don't have it up here, but imagine that I've come inside of God's love, okay? Then God says, hey, church, you can judge the people inside the church. In other words, if somebody else is in God's love with me, I can put my arm around them and say, hey, man, I'm concerned about your life right now because it doesn't line up with Scripture, and I, or I'm concerned about how you're treating your family because that's not what God wants. So we can judge those and confront those to help them be better because they're with us, right? Because we both have said we want to follow Jesus. But 1 Corinthians says, don't judge those outside the church. Why? Because all that does is push them farther away. So if, if I love the Lord, but there's this guy over here I don't like, who doesn't love the Lord, I am not to point my finger and say, I don't like that guy, or that's a bad guy, or, or, or hate that guy, or remove myself from that guy, because of course he's like that. He's broken. He doesn't know the Lord. And if I say, uh, and, and I accuse him, or I'm mean to him, all I do is push him farther away from Jesus. And if Jonah would have had his way, all he would have done is push the Ninevites farther away from God. And so... The Bible teaches us we, we don't need to accuse and be worried and all up uh, worked up and angry about those outside the church. That's God's job. It's our job to help them see and find God, right? To help them be inside of his love. There's a story in Luke chapter 9. Jesus is walking with his disciples, and they're in Samaria, and they're coming up to a village, and they need a place to hang out for a while, maybe to get some food, maybe to stay the night. And that would have been very normal in their day uh, to say, hey, can we stay here? And somebody say, yeah, of course you can. And people were very hospitable. And so Jesus sends a couple of the disciples down the road and say, hey, go see if we can stay somewhere in this village. And the disciples go there, and they, and they come back, and they say, Jesus, they said forget it. They said, we can't stay here because they knew we were going to Jerusalem. And you've done all of these good things to reach out to the Samaritans. But this village, they still hate us because we're Jews. And James and John say, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire on them? Now, I don't really think James and John could call down fire, at least at that point. But they figured, you know, if Jesus went along with it, he could figure it out. And and they say, Jesus, do you want us to just burn these people up? In some ways, uh, and I don't mean this in a way to cuss, I just mean literally what they said was, to hell with them. I don't care about them. They can burn. I, I, I feel nothing for them, for them now or for their eternity. That's how I feel about them. And the text says that Jesus rebuked them man, I wish I could have seen that rebuke. Because maybe it was one word, silence. Maybe it was, those are God's children too. Maybe he set the boys down and made them listen to a three-hour lecture just to get it in. And he started unpacking all of scripture of how God created all people. And we're not going to ask God to bring fire down on somebody because they make us a little upset. No, instead we're going to have a heart for all people. It doesn't matter what they've done to us, how they've insulted us, how they've angered us. You see, you're different, Christian, because God has changed you to be different than the rest of the world. The rest of the world gets upset when they're insulted. We still love people. The rest of the world says, well, to heck with them. We say, no, we still care about them. We still love them. And yes, they offended me. They insulted me. They really frustrated me. And I still love them because God still loves them. And I I want to see them restored to God more than anything else. That God's command in my life is bigger than the insult that I felt. That God's love for me is bigger than the offense that I felt. That my compassion for them is is bigger than the hate that they have for me. That's the way the church works. It's upside down from the rest of the world, which means we can't really be going around angry at the rest of the world. Otherwise, we become Jonah saying, I don't go there. We become James and John saying, yeah, just send down fire on them. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says... The Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to die. He wants everyone to know him. And imagine the patience of God to be patient with the city of Nineveh, to like give them one last chance after all of their murder, after all of their wickedness. And imagine God's patience to be patient with a punk like Jonah. Because God is patient with him in this book. And he's patient with James and John who were prejudiced against the Samaritans. And he was patient with the Samaritans who were prejudiced back at them. He's just patient with people because he wants people to come to him. He wants the broken to be saved. And you know what that means? If you're feeling broken today, he wants you to be saved too. That his promises for you. There's nothing that you have done in your past that has removed God's desire for you to be restored to him. He cares for you so much. And his death on the cross means that you can come to him and he will forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and restore you. And like the, you could join everybody else in the world who's ever said yes to Jesus. And he takes your bad stuff and your wickedness and he removes it as far as the east is from the west. Jonah tried to get away from the bad stuff, but Jesus went right to us to the bad stuff so that he could save us and he wants to save you as well. That verse at the end of Jonah, when God says, should I not have concern and compassion for the great city of Nineveh? That same word compassion shows up in Psalm 72 when it is said, God has compassion on the weak and the needy and he saves them from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence for precious is their blood in his sight. He cares for them, and when God sees you, you're precious to him too, and he cares for you. And this morning, I want to challenge you with two things. One is if you are broken and you need to be restored to God's love, the way is through Jesus. And when people have said, well, how can I be saved? The simple response is, repent and be baptized and your sins will be forgiven, that God does the work in you and through you, and you are made new. So if anybody would like to come, even during this next song or at the end of the service, you can come down to these front rows, and we'll have some folks who would love to pray with you and talk with you, and maybe you're even ready to make a decision today. Maybe you want to study with us more this week, and that would be fine. For others, the challenge is this, that maybe you need to have a time of confession this morning, and maybe you need to confess that you've been Jonah, you've been like James and John, and you've been like, God, I don't care about those people. And you need to say, God, forgive me, because I realized my heart was not like yours. And you need to have your heart broken for all the people of the world, because that's who God cares about. Would you stand up and let me pray for us? God, we, we come to you and say thank you that you care for us we did not deserve it, but you came in compassion, and, and we looked wicked and evil and an outsider and all of that, and you came, and you love the outsider. You love the person far from you. Uh, even if they're doing terrible things to you or your people, you love them, and we want to have that same love in us, and for anybody who's broken today, I pray that they would allow you to heal them and to give them new life. It's in Jesus' name we pray.